0: Proverbs chapter number three is where we're going to be tonight, Proverbs chapter number three, and it is good to be in church tonight. What great services we had on Sunday, and I don't know about you, but I'm still reliving the services we had, good preaching on Sunday morning and just a good service Sunday night. And uh, one of the things I love about Woodland is, is the fact that we try our best to just let the Lord have his way and let the Lord have freedom in the service. So, uh, well, we're going, to, we're going to pick up on uh, Proverbs chapter number three. You know, we've kind of been going through a study on the book of Proverbs. And so just quickly, by way of review, I want to review some of what we've talked about. Proverbs chapter number uh, three is where we'll be tonight, but who's the writer of the book of Proverbs? Can anybody tell me that? Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon, King Solomon. Solomon was a wise king or a wise person or a foolish person? He was wise and in fact the Bible says that he was the wisest person. He was also a very prosperous king. You know the story about Solomon how God gave him a wish and said, "Hey, what one desire do you have?" And Solomon said, "I want to be wise." And so God granted him that desire. And so Solomon is writing to his son at the end of his life, and it was said about his son Rehoboam that he did evil. You know, Rehoboam was the direct opposite of Solomon. Solomon's desire was, I wanted wisdom, and I, he asked God for wisdom. But you know, nowhere in the Bible are we told where Rehoboam, his son, asked for wisdom, and it talks about how Rehoboam did evil. But the book of Proverbs is about Solomon writing to his son and trying to impart wisdom to to his son. The father is telling his son how to live. Much of the book of Proverbs was basically him just talking to his son and kind of having a little fireside chat or a fatherly to son relationship and just telling him how he should live. The father was trying throughout the book of Proverbs to try to impart some words into Rehoboam. And we talked about those seven words. One of the words was our walk and boy, how we need to guard our walk. Then he talked about wisdom. Then he talked about his words and how we need to, he needs, uh, Rehoboam should control his words and what he says. Then he talked about uh, women. He talked about the strange woman in Proverbs 5 and 6. And then Proverbs 31 He talked about a virtuous woman, then he talks about wine, and then he talked about wealth and how we said that it's okay to have money, but don't let money have you. Then we talked about work and how not to be a sluggard. So the the first week was kind of an introduction to the book of Proverbs and us speaking about those seven key words. Then we kind of moved into another aspect about Solomon and Rehoboam. We talked about how Solomon tried to tell his son what to do, but he lived a different a different way. In other words, what he said wasn't what he did and so that we looked at the prohibitions how he wasn't supposed to do certain things and all three of those prohibitions he actually went against those he was not to to multiply his horses as a king and we're told in first kings that solomon got himself 1200 horses he wasn't supposed to get them from egypt and where did he get the horses out of all places he went to egypt then Proverbs, uh, prohibition number two he wasn't supposed to multiply his wives. Well, we all know how many wives Solomon had. He had three, uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. So I would clearly think that that was breaking that prohibition. Then prohibition number three, He said uh, kings were not supposed to multiply to himself gold and silver. And yet we're told that Solomon was the richest man that lived. And so I think he broke that commandment also. So you, I want to ask, how could a boy, Rehoboam, Be such a rebel. Well, maybe it was the fact that what his dad said and what his dad did were two different things. And we brought about the point that maybe his inconsistency did not produce consistency. We said, you know, that our children are watching more of us than they are listening to us. And our children are watching us. The father knew how to write it, but he didn't know how to live it. And so I want to challenge us fathers, I want to challenge us parents, I want to challenge us not I was not us mothers, you mothers. I want to challenge you mothers and challenge you grandparents to, to what you say is good. But what you live is even more important. And then we moved on. We talked about how Proverbs chapter 1 speaks about the simple versus the prudent. We talked about how a simple person is one who doesn't exercise good sense. Or we said that uh, somebody that is simple is seducible, meaning they are easily seduced or they're easily brought in. If if I were to say that Brother Brian was simple, I I, I might say that he was he's easily brought in. He could be seduced or he could be coerced into doing something. And boy, young people can be notorious for that. But you know what's sad to say? Sometimes adults can be that way, and young adults and middle-aged adults. We can all be seduced by wrong. And so we talked about the simple and the prudent, and then, and we, then we moved on a few weeks ago. We looked at uh, basically kind of the progression of wisdom. We looked at how there's instruction, and that's how knowledge or understanding gets into us. There's many ways that we can receive instruction. We can receive instruction from the Word of God by simply reading the Word of God. What do we say? Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. And so we said that instruction is how we get understanding, how we get knowledge. So there's a progression. Uh, uh, Instruction. Then knowledge and understanding, that's, the, that's the, the knowledge or the understanding of what to do and how to do it. But then wisdom is the next step where you actually carry out that, wisdom, that uh, understanding and that knowledge. So wisdom is, hey, something pops up. There's a scenario that I have to deal with. Wisdom says, okay, I know what to do. I'm going to go ahead and exercise that knowledge. I'm going to put that knowledge, that biblical understanding that I have, that biblical knowledge, I'm going to put it into practice and I'm going to do the right thing. So that's what we looked at from Proverbs chapter number two. Proverbs chapter number three, we basically said that that is the biblical version of of wildcratch. You say, what in the world is wildcratch? If you weren't here last Wednesday, we talked about how that's a basic children's program, and it always springs from the little live part of it or the, the real life part of it to their animation, and they say, what if? You know, and they talk about an animal. Well, basically, Proverbs chapter number two is the what if of the Bible, meaning if we'll do certain things there's going to be certain consequences. We said, the Bible says in Proverbs 2 and verse 1, it says, if thou wilt receive my words, God's words, verse number 2, he says, if you'll incline, incline your ear to wisdom, if you'll apply your heart to understanding, and there's several ifs, there are certain consequences that come along if we will do those ifs. So there's two consequences. One is the result, you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Boy, I want to understand the fear of the Lord in my life. I want to have the fear of the Lord in my life. It sounds like a good thing if I'll understand it. The next consequence was you'll understand righteousness and judgment. Boy, I want that consequence in my life. I mean, I want to understand righteousness, not just for me, but for my spouse. Not just for my spouse, but for my children. Not just for my children, but maybe for my future grandchildren. I want to understand righteousness. So those are a couple of the consequences. Then we talked about uh, the two purposes. What are the purposes of us inclining our ear unto wisdom and looking to God? Well, the purpose was found in the latter part of chapter number two. In verse 12, it says that it'll keep us from the ways of evil man. I want to. I want to be the type of Christian that I'm staying away from the ways of evil man. That was the first purpose. The second purpose was from keep staying away from the strange woman. That should be all of us men's desire to stay away from the strange woman. Tonight, we're gonna pick up at Proverbs chapter number three. Proverbs chapter number three. It's a good, good chapter. As I tried to. to to move around this chapter, you know, you you study and you put things together and you think, how can I try to impart truth to folks that are here tonight? And I try to break it up and make it as simple as we can. Basically, the book of uh, Proverbs, chapter number three is broken up into two categories, basically. We'll touch on kind of a third one, but we're going to look at just two tonight. Proverbs chapter number three and verse number one, look what it says. It says, my son... So there again, Solomon's writing to Rehoboam. He's saying, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart, and if you're in the habit of taking notes or or writing in your Bible, maybe you want to circle that word heart. That's what I did in my Bible. Maybe that'll help you as you go back and read maybe in the future. It says, keep my commandment for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Then jump down to verse number three. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. Then jump down to verse number five. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. There's the word heart again. Then jump down to verse number, well, right there is where we're going to look. But the Bible is trying to talk about the subject of the heart. What is the real heart? The heart is the real you that no one knows about it. You know, I might say that I might know, let's say, Brother Bobby Westmerland. But I only know him from being going to church. maybe if we were to go out to eat, I might know him a little bit more. maybe if we work together, I might know him a little bit more. But truly, I would not know brother bobby 's heart deep down inside what his thoughts are, what his his pulse is like as far as what what really gets him going and what what uh, helps him or whatever the heart is the is the hidden seat of man it 's the hidden part of man. You know, there are some pretty deceptive things in this world. Now, I don't watch a lot of TV, I'd have to admit. Sometimes I feel like I'm a dud, but I don't watch a lot of TV. But one of the, sh- one of the shows that I do like to watch, it's not Wildcats, so don't worry about that. But uh, one of the shows that I like to watch is a show called American Greed. Anybody watch that show, American Greed? Good, <laughs> about three or four of us. But it's a show really about, it's true, It's a sto- uh, they do a one-hour segment on people and it's based on true stories and it's really about con artists and how they, they swindle people out of money and con them out of money. But what fascinates me is that to the extent that they go to. I mean, the, the what they'll do and how they do it, it's just amazing. And I always think to myself while I'm watching that show, I thought, if they could put this much energy into being a swindler and a shyster, why can't they just go out and get a normal job and make millions? I'm thinking, why? I guess it's just Easier money for them, I don't know. But they are deceptive. There's a lot of deceptive people in this world. There's a lot of deceptive things in this world. But look what the Bible says about deception and the heart. Look what it says in Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's speaking about my heart. That's speaking about your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, your heart and my heart are wicked at its core. You say, Brother Mark, how could you accuse me of that? I'm not. The Bible's saying it. The Bible's saying the heart is deceitful. That's why we need to to watch our heart. The Bible says uh, the word heart, it's used 86 times in the book of Proverbs. The word heart, boy. We need to guard our heart. Look at Proverbs chapter number four and verse twenty-three. So we're we're speaking about the first part of this chapter is emphasizing the heart. The heart. Then look what it says in Proverbs four and verse number twenty-three: "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues." Of life, So Solomon's saying to Rehoboam, Rehoboam, I want you to guard your heart. You have to protect it. And it doesn't say just protect it, but he says, I want you to do it with all diligence. He's saying, hey, guard your heart. Woodland Baptist Church, I would encourage you, guard your heart. You won't be here seven years from now if you don't guard your heart your heart. You won't abstain from the appearance of evil if you don't guard your heart. You won't watch what you look at on your phone if you don't guard your heart. You won't watch, uh, pay attention to what you listen to if you don't guard your heart. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put a protection around your heart. That's the real you. Your heart sets the direction for your life. You say, well, where's that in the Bible? Look at Luke 6 and verse number 45. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So whatever, what's the old saying? Whatever's in the well will come up in the, what is it? In the... Bucket, that's right. See, see, the city slicker has to ask the country folk, you know, how do, we, how do we say that? But out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth's gonna speak. You know what? I was, look, I was looking at that thought the other day and uh, there was a picture that popped up on the internet and it's an actual picture, well, not a real picture, but it's just a graphic, but it showed a picture of a heart and then attached to the heart was a little electrical receptacle, you know, like the plug-ins and then it had a wire going to a mouth and then the mouth was talking. And that's so true. That's what it is. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out in your mouth. But I'd like to go even further. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out in our speech. Whatever's in our heart is going to come out in our actions. Whatever's in our heart is going to come out of our reactions. Whatever's in our heart is going to come out of our attitude. Whatever's in our heart is going to come out in our spirit. The heart is where it's all at. That's the seed of our emotion. That's the inner part. So we need to guard our heart. The Bible says, with all. Diligence. I came across an illustration. I didn't come across an illustration. I heard this preacher tell this story a good preacher. If I were to say his name, probably 80% of you would know the preacher that I'm speaking about a good man. But he said years and years ago when he was traveling somewhere to preach, you know, preachers sometimes if they go a far distance, maybe they hop on a plane or maybe they have to drive numerous hours, they might get a hotel room and stay there, preach, and then stay the night and come back the next morning. And uh, uh, so anyway, this preacher was preaching in a distant city and he checked into his hotel after preaching and he went to his hotel. This was years and years ago. A good man. He's still serving the Lord, been pastor in the same church for years years, but he went into his hotel room, and uh, he's a godly man. He turned on the TV, and boom, something popped up that he, he regretted seeing, and you know what he ended up doing? he made a promise to himself. He said, I'm a preacher of the gospel. He made a promise to himself. He said, I will never again turn on the TV in a hotel room. He said, I'm alone. I don't want that temptation. I don't want to destroy my family. I don't want to destroy my ministry. He said, I'm just not going to do it. You say, well, that's kind of extreme. Why did he do that? Because he was trying to obey Proverbs 4 and 23. He was trying, he was keeping his heart with all diligence. He said, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to get temptation. I'm not saying all of you should run out and make that decision for your life, but I don't think it's a bad one, that's for sure. It's not going to do any harm making a decision like that. He made that decision. Proverbs 10 and verse number eight it says, The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a pratting fool shall fall. The wise in heart will receive commandments. You know, if one is wise, one will receive the word of God. A marriage will take in the word of God if it's a wise marriage. A child will listen and heed his parent if they are a wise young person. You know, we need heart in the things we do. I appreciate the songs that were sung this evening. I think about the song Brother Allen sang about being, uh, how how you can grow cold. And you know what? All of us, if we're not careful, we can grow cold cold in our Christian life. We can, we can just kind of, well, the things we used, we used to do, maybe we don't do them anymore. Maybe we used to be excited about the buses, or maybe we used to be excited about our service to the Lord, but all of a sudden we're growing cold and our heart's just growing cold. We need to, 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 be, to have heart in it. Look what it says in Colossians 3 in verse number 23. It says, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. I came across this quote. It says, a sign of a wandering heart is when we do not give our best where God has placed us. Maybe God has placed you into a marriage, and you're not putting what you used to put into it, and now you wonder why your marriage is kind of fizzling out. Maybe you're in a church, and you think, boy, I remember when I got to Woodland a few years ago. I was so excited. Uh, You know what? The preaching hasn't changed, the music hasn't changed. Nothing's changed except maybe your heart. Maybe you're growing cold. Maybe you're, you're, you're wandering. Maybe it's not. Beca- it's because we're not giving our best where God has placed us. The Bible says, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. If we'll do things heartily, with our heart, with emotion, it will change every relationship of our life. It'll change the employer employee relationship. It'll change our marriage relationship. It'll change the parent-child relationship. Maybe if I'm a parent, I look at it, my child is, boy, what a, what a, a nuisance the child is, or what an irritant it is. If I do it as unto the Lord, I'm going to realize, hey, that child is a gift from God, and I'm a steward of that child for just 18, 20 years while they're in my home, for just a little while. If I do it heartily as unto the Lord, it's going to change the dynamics of that. Let's do things heartily as unto the Lord. It'll change our neighbor relationships. It'll change our relationships to others in the church. You know, if Brother Brian or Brother Zach, if they do something to offend me, you know, I'm not going to get all bent out of shape if I'm heartily doing it unto the Lord. I'm not going to all of a sudden not want to shake hands with Brother Zach because he offends me in one little way or says a a, a word that maybe I could take wrong. And boy, I'm going to get bent bent out of shape and I'm not going to shake his hand anymore. If I'm I'm serving the Lord, if I'm loving the Lord, I'm doing it heartily, I'm not going to let that offense come between us. If we'll do it heartily unto the Lord... You know, marriage won't make it without heart. A church won't make it without heart. A bus ministry won't make it without heart. A choir won't make it without heart. A Sunday school class won't make it without heart. How is your heart? Let me ask you, how is your heart? True obedience is not possible without heart. Look at Matthew 22 and verse number 37. It says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thy Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. We're speaking about the heart. Then God goes on and he says here through the writing of Solomon, he says, There's some things in this chapter that is God's part what he'll do and what we're supposed to do. Look at verse number five through six. It says, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Then it goes on. This is still what we're supposed to do. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And then verse six, in the latter part of six, it says, This is God's part. If we do that, if we trust in the Lord, if we lean not unto our own understanding and we acknowledge him, what's he gonna do for us? Verse number six, and he shall direct thy paths. I want God to direct my paths, but that's not gonna happen if I don't trust in him, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Look at verse number nine. Verse number nine says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, and then that's my part. That's what I'm supposed to do. When I get a paycheck, what am I supposed to do? I'm gonna, I, I need to honor the Lord with my firstfruits. So the Bible teaches that we're supposed to give a tenth of what the Lord prospers us with. And it says, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. Then it says, verse number 10, if we do that, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. That's God's part. Hey, he's going to bless us if we'll do our part. You may not be blessed with thousands and thousands of dollars more, but you might be blessed with a happy home. You might be blessed with peace in your heart. You might be blessed with comfort. You might be blessed with good health, whatever. But I want God's blessing on my life. Look at verse number 11. It says, my son, there it goes again. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. And then it says, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth even as a father, the son in whom he delight. There's God's part. God will correct us. Whom he loves, he's going to correct. You know, I wrote this statement down. Where God, look at, go back to verse number seven. It says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I wrote this statement down, fellas, if you'll put that up. It says here, when, uh, when God, where God is honored, sin is hated loathed and resisted. A fellow by the name of Charles Bridges said that. But where God is honored, when we think about fearing the Lord, where God is honored, so in our homes, in our church, in our life, where God is honored, sin will be hated, loathed. We don't use that word loathe a lot, but I looked it up. It basically means to feel an intense dislike or disgust for. If we're going to have an intense dislike for sin, we're going to loathe sin and resist it. We've got to resist sin. So the first part of this chapter is about the heart. Then he kind of switches directions a little bit, and he starts to speak about wisdom. So the first part's about heart. Second part's about wisdom. Look at verse number 13. It says, happy is the man that findeth Wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Then it says, verse number 14 for the merchandise of it, speaking about wisdom, it means wisdom. Maybe you want to underline that and put wisdom next to that. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. Sounds like wisdom's pretty important. And the gain thereof than fine gold. I put in my Bible a little dollar sign there. It's more important than gold. It's more important than silver. It's more important than money. Verse number 15, she, that's speaking about wisdom. Maybe you want to underline that. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that, all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Still speaking about wisdom. Maybe you want to circle her. Then it says length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Then it says, her ways are ways of pleasant in, pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She, verse number 18, is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. So we see all those pronouns for, the, the, for wisdom. Her and she, it. You know, there was one time a young boy... And he went to the general store with his mother. And so they walked into the store. And you know how those old time mercantiles were in those little general stores. And there was a mom and a son. They walked in together. And so they did a little bit of shopping and stuff. And so the son just tagging right along with his mom. Well, they go up to the counter. And the whole time, unbeknownst to the the mother and the son, the owner kept watching them. You know how you just kind of watch people sometimes. Well, the owner was watching the son and how well behaved he was. And so the mother and the son, they went up to the counter to pay for the 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 items that they had picked up and so the 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 merchant started talking to the mother a little bit and said man I, i couldn't help but to notice that your son is very very well behaved and so the son just kind of looked up and smiled a little bit, and so the, she, she, she was rung up by the the owner, and the owner you know changed the money out and gave the owner the, gave the the, lady, the, own, the the owner gave the lady the money back and all that, and as they were getting ready to leave, the owner looked at the son and said, "Son, hey, you behave so well. You see this candy jar right here? I want you to to reach in and grab some candy and take it home with you for being such a good boy. You know what the boy did? He just stood there with his hands in his pockets like this and just looked at the owner and didn't do a thing. And his, and his mom said, son, go ahead and grab some candy. He just stood there. And the owner said, okay, well, I'll do it. So the owner went over, put both his hands inside the candy jar, pulled out some candy, and gave it to the son. And the son just was all excited and lit up, you know how kids will do in a candy shop and everything. And he walked out. And his mom was a little irritated at his son, said, son, the, you know, the man was talking to you. Why didn't you pay attention? Why didn't you do what you were asked to do? And so the son looked back at his mom and said, Well, Mom, because his hands are way bigger than mine. That's not a bad, bad son right there. Pretty smart fella. But you know what? I'd like to say God's hands are far bigger than our hands. God wants to give us blessings. He wants to give us wisdom. He offers us instruction of wisdom. Wisdom comes to us with both hands full of blessings. God says, Hey, take this take this. All we have to do is receive it. You know, when we walk in God's ways, we reap enormous benefits. You know, wisdom, it's, a, it's really a prescription for living in a way that creates positive results and avoids negative ones. You know, a person who walks in sin, they might do some, some things which shorten their life. They might bring shame. They might create financial hardship for their life. That's not necessarily a, a direct judgment of God, though it can be But sometimes that's just natural consequences of walking outside of his commandments. You know what? I want God just to reach in, give me a handful of blessings, and and he wants to do it through wisdom. If we'll have wisdom, if we'll take it and live our life a way that's pleasing to him, we're going to reap the joys of it. There's going to be a whole lot less heartache. There's going to be a whole lot less tears shed because if we'll walk in wisdom. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18 says, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth him or retaineth her you know it says happy is everyone that retaineth her hey have you ever realized that wise people they might be going through just utter chaos in their life. They might have the world falling around about them. Maybe everything's caving, around, caving in around them. But you know what? They'll, you'll see them. And what are they? They're on the winning side. They're saying, I'm on the winning side. They might have deep down heartaches. You know, I think about preachers. Sometimes preachers will get up and they'll preach their heart out. And they never share with their people maybe the heartaches that they might go through. Why? Because they're, they've got wisdom. They don't want to share all that. They just say, hey, Lord will take care of it. He'll keep me. You know, I think of that song, Everything's All Right in My Father's House. Everything's All Right in My Father's House. You know, let's be people of wisdom. Look at verse number 21. We'll hasten. Verse number 21. It says, My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Verse number 23 thou sh- Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Then look at verse number 24, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. Then it says in verse number 25, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it, when it cometh. You know, we need to have wisdom. Look at what that verse says. It says, be not afraid. You know, so many, so many times we live in fear. We live distraught about what might happen. What do they say? 90% of what we worry about never comes to pass. How many of you ever done that? You worry, worry about something. You thought a certain situation was this way. You thought this person was out of sorts with you and mad at you. And then maybe you go and talk to them and they're like, what are you talking about? And you worried, all you fretted all night about that, or maybe there was another situation you thought, boy, you know, maybe something on the job, or maybe a relationship with something, and you just you were distraught about it. The Bible says, hey, don't worry about it, don't be don't be afraid. And you say, well, I've just got to take this, I got to take something to calm me down. You know, back in the 1960s, they threw the Bible out of the public school, and now what do they say? The number one drug for children, not adults. The number one drug for children. Our antidepressants, you know. Maybe we need to just put the Bible back in our school. Maybe we need to put the Bible back in our back in our homes. Look at verse number twenty-six. It says, "For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken." Hey, let's have confidence in God. What does wisdom do? Wisdom says, "Hey, I'm going to have my confidence in God." There was a lady by the name, and some of you might recognize the name, Corey. Tin Boom. She lived during Hitler's Holocaust way back in the the 40s. Corey Tin Boom, if you know anything about literature, there was that book written called The Hiding Place. Corey Tin Boom was a daughter, obviously, to a father, but she had a father and then also a brother. Both of her father and the brother, uh, or sister and father, I'm sorry, sister and father were killed in prison after the Gestapo uh, took them. But it is said of Corey Tin Boom that she helped to save over 800 Jews right within her own house. If you know anything about the hiding place, they they had built a little area behind Corey's uh, room right there in the bedroom. And so when The Gestapo would come along looking for Jews. They would hide the Jews inside this room. And over the course of several years, they they were said to have saved 800 different Jews. And she ended up, after the the World War II was over and the Nazi regime had ended and everything, she started traveling around the world and and really telling her story of faith and courage. And here's what she she wrote in, in her book. And I wrote this statement down. I thought it was a good one. Look what it says. It said, Corey Ten Boom, she said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. And I thought about that. How many times in our life, in our life, do we go through a dark tunnel, and what do we do? We just take our ticket and we run. We just get away from God. We get away from doing what we know to do. We, we get away from being faithful to the church. We get away from reading the Bible. We get away from prayer. We, we get away from telling others, others about Christ because we're going through a hard time. And I'm not minimizing the hard times. But what do we need to do? We need to just sit still. And trust the engineer. You know the engineer? God Almighty. He's the one directing our life. He's driving our train. There will be dark times when you can't see the way forward. You don't know where to go. The truth is that whether or not I can see the way clearly... What's the truth? Hey, God can see your way. He knows what's ahead. He knows the path before you. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're listening by way of radio or you're listening about, or you're watching by way of internet tonight and you're going through a dark, dark uh, time in your life. I want to encourage you. Just sit still and trust the engineer. Use your wisdom and say, hey, God, I can't do it. I need your help in my life. Hey, let's have confidence. Verse 26 says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Look at verse 27. It says, and it kind of starts a new thought. It's speaking about how we're to treat people. Basically, it just says, hey, treat people, give to whom people is due. And I won't take time to go into this, but the two thoughts for the book of Proverbs is one heart. We need to have heart. Let's, let's guard our heart. Let's do everything we can with our heart. Let's be, do it as unto the Lord. Whatever it is, whether it's your job, whether it's your Sunday school class, whether it's your, your choir, whatever it is, your bus route, do it heartily. Throw your heart into it. Serve God with vigor. Let's come this Sunday morning with a spirit of expectancy that says, I want God to do something right here at Woodland Baptist Church, not just last Sunday night, but Sunday morning. May somebody walk the aisle and be saved. Let's all come with a spirit of expectancy to say, I want God to do something so big that only he can get the glory. That's what we want in our church. That's what we want for our lives. Boy, we want God. Let's do it heartily. So we see Proverbs chapter 3, is the heart, then wisdom. If we have wisdom we'll see the blessings of God. God will dip down with both hands and pour out blessings upon us. If we'll just do what we should do and do it with wisdom, we can have confidence in God. Trust the engineer. God will guide us through everything. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed.